Julie. Hey, Julie. Welcome to Hey, Julie, a podcast that for one more month continues to not be about Big Brother. <laughs> hey, less than a month, I think we're meeting the cast. I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think probably by. by yeah. I mean, President Joe has set, uh, you know, he set the goal of, of <laughs> 70% vaccinations by July 4th. And yeah. CBS has set the goal of introducing us to <laughs> 16 new psychopaths before then. So. <laughs> So fingers crossed, they both happen. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. There's a little bit of Big um, Brother news, Danielle. There is, yeah. Chun Chun Legal Edition. <laughs> Mike Boogie Malin has been found guilty of stalking Doctor Will Kirby. Danielle, is this uh, is this what's going to happen to us? who's talking who i mean this is as i said to to brett before we started recording this is really pathetic i mean this is sad this is sad he like he's clearly a disturbed man so uh he and dr will were you know i'm trying to piece this together from some you know kind of aggregated Articles on these reality show tabloidy Blogs, websites. Yeah. I'm reading on twofab.com right now. Mm. So just from what I've been reading, they were supposed to appear on some reality show together. And Dr. Will was like, wait a minute. Why am I doing this? I'm a successful doctor and business owner. Right. With a family. And Mike Boogie doesn't have as much going on. No. I guess he's still like a restaurateur, but I, he's no, he's no like, you know, he's no Guy Fieri, right? You know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I guess he's got a DUI under his belt, but he has been stalking Dr. Will to like pressure him to like go on the Amazing Race or some shit with him and dr will's like no i have a family and a job that pays me a lot more money (laughs) than showing up on any of these stupid ass shows and he's been like i guess trying to like stalk him and intimidate him and you know being weird about his family and stuff so Man. You know what I say to that? Lock him up. Lock him up. Doesn't seem like a great guy. We don't have time for this in 2021 for a deranged reality show contestant to think he can just do whatever he wants. We've had enough. Get him out of here. I I have a no tolerance policy, zero tolerance for this. Mike Boogie, like I rewatched All Stars during the beginning of the pandemic. Mike Boogie was always a horrible human being and disgusting. He won the show. Good for him. He should have clearly invested better, especially because he won back in like 2007. Bought some bitcoins. uh, He could have been a (laughs) billionaire by now. Yeah. This is 500K in 2007. Oh, my gosh. $10,000 worth of sunshine soaps. (laughs) So I have zero, I really have zero sympathy for Boogie. And I, yeah, throw the book at him. Throw the book. And we're going to close the book on this. There's nothing more to say. (laughs) Yeah. And there's unfortunately not yet. No leaks, no no new information really yet. Anything else about Big Brother 23, but obviously we'll continue monitoring the situation. We have a lot of other stuff to talk about today, Danielle. Where should we go next? We have we have Mayor of Easttown. I promise yeah. to describe the final three seasons of Lost to you. We're <laughs> yeah. going to talk, wrapping up our, we're going to wrap up our Nicolas Cage trifecta by talking about Face Off, by far the most wild of the three films that we're going to talk about. First, let's do Mayor, because I think it'll be short. Okay, uh, are we going to spoil we are definitely spoiling. If you haven't seen where you've had a week, you, you could check it out. But Danielle's about to fucking ruin it for you. So turns out the baby killed the girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess he's not a baby. He's like eight. I don't know. How old is I that kid? Teen, How I don't know. Kids? He's like 10. All right. So this kid. So <laughs> Mare's best friend has a son who we've seen a little bit throughout the season. Something funky was going on with him because I tell you, there was an episode where like they're watching like the news story about it and they're lingering along on that kid's fucking mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. I knew you something was beware. up. Something was up. I thought it was the father. I thought thought it was the father with the beard. And there was like, oh, I was like, <laughs> oh, I was right. 
But I thought it was, was Mayor's I, boyfriend. <laughs> I thought something was going to come up. Like, oh, the man. fucking writer. That was <laughs> the, the weirdest. Pierce. That was the weirdest misdirect. Well, they didn't even set yeah. up anything. They didn't even really set up a misdirect with him where it's like, oh, he was he was on the on the little app that that she the no, girl was selling was her body on or whatever. There was nothing. He was just like, I just love teaching at community colleges. <laughs> yeah, I'm a writer. I have a book. Sometimes I flirt with my fans. Um, but so her best friend's son, her best friend, who she can always count on to share a beer and a chat. Yeah, her son, who we've seen a little bit. As it turns out, the dad had been sexting with the original dead girl of the first show because she was on that website to hook up with daddies. And he was mad about it. And this wasn't the first affair that his dad had had. So he was like going to go threaten her and to stop breaking apart his family. But she tried to grab the gun and in the scuffle, he shot her. Yeah, I mean, guns are bad. Uh, I mean, I, I think the actual, like, what is less interesting than the buildup to a payoff, which is Mare, who has lost a son, now has mm-hmm. to take her best friend's son's away, son away. And which, right. which I found... I kind of was like, oh, the kid did it. Well, fine, whatever, weird. All right. I was not seeing that coming. So kudos to them. But I, I thought it was, I, I, and I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was great where I was like, uh oh. And, and the boy comes running home knowing that he's been caught. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Mayor's got to come now. And like, Mayor's got to now rip apart her best friend's life and like just rip her right. heart out. And I thought so, that was a more, I thought the satisfy the satisfaction for me was like watching the sort of dramatic culmination of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's something that was sort of like on my mind though, as I was watching is like this kid, let's say he's 10. Okay. I don't think he's a teen. He's preteen. Let's say he's 10. Call him eighth grade. Yeah. He's not going to be locked away for long. He's a ch- He's a kid. I mean, yeah, but like, I don't know, when you spend, okay, so let's say he's in prison for eight or juvie for eight years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to come out like fucking night of. He's going to be like our, <laughs> our guy Reese with, the, with, the, with the, the knuckle tattoos and stuff. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I don't think he's right. Sort of like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's spending the rest of his life in prison. I don't think the show's about that. But also, I don't think he's going to like write his Stanford application and be like, I killed a girl. And I spent my teens <laughs> He's in not going to do his time and then catch a, a flight to his parole that somehow gets taken over by a bunch of world famous cons and then save the day. He has a better chance of getting on Big Brother. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I thought this was good. It was a good finale. Here's one part that stuck out to me oh. that I was like, this. So throughout the season also, Mare has been trying. Mare does not want to lose custody of her grandson because her grandson is the product of two drug addicts, her, her son and her son's girlfriend. But her son's girlfriend like got clean and really wants to get the son back. She's trying so hard, but it's like she's in a very tough system where it's like you have to work so hard to be able to provide for the kid. And then once you're finally with the kid, you're exhausted. Oh, you know what would help? Drugs. But she's trying to keep away from drugs. So she's in a really tough spot. So in the finale, the mom ends up being like, I I couldn't I needed to use so that I could make money so that I could provide for the kids. So like, yeah, you should take him back. I just want to say there was literally a line where she where the mom says to Mayor. You must be happy that I'm back on drugs and you get to have your son back. <laughs> and Mayor's response is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that whole plot was was a little bit weird. I, I don't know if we mentioned it last week, the scene where, like, she's not using drugs, but she's so tired from not using mm-hmm. that she falls asleep with the kid in the bathtub. And there's uh, a shot where it looks like the kid is drowned in the bathtub. I was screaming. I was like, they can't do that to us. They cannot. No, I don't think they would. But also I was like, man, sometimes Mayor just throws a curveball. Like, I think uh, that was kind of a weird plot line overall because it kind of 
you have this scene there like at a law office for the litigation of who gets custody of this kid. And I'm like, okay, well, this is the final episode. Mayor's going to grow up a little bit, right? Like we're going to mm-hmm. move on. Some things are going to stay the same. Some things are going to be different. And I thought like part of her growth would be accepting that like she can't. She's going to have to like let her grandson be her grandson and not her son. Right. Yeah. And I thought like yeah. it was going to be because she'd been fighting. So like she planted drugs in her her yeah. daughter-in-law's <laughs> car. All that shit. I thought it was going to be like, OK, she accepts the fate. And then it's like, nope. Back to drugs again. Here's your grandson yeah. back. Or I'm like, okay. That's, that's. And yeah, like, no, no, like, well, let's try to get you clean. Let's see what we can do. No, it was just like, yeah, I'll take him. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> yeah. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Pretty sad. Pretty Go get sad, some drugs. Sad. Pretty sad show. Yeah, yeah, pretty sad Ultimately, show. Ultimately, very depressing. Guy Pierce gets a, gets a job at another junior college. You know, it's like, <laughs> did I need to see this character's story wrapped up? Not really, but oh okay. <laughs> like, who? What is going on with that character? And then the daughter gets to go drive to Sanford. Yeah. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I don't know. I there I, I didn't feel like there was much of a payoff there either. I actually thought there was going to be some sort of payoff with, like, the documentary she was making. Right. Because, like, mm. they kept showing the shot of the documentary of, like, her brother, who's now dead, like, dipping his toes in the ocean or yeah. whatever. I thought it was going to be, like, she goes off to Berkeley and, like, she goes off to uh, – she, like, stands in San Francisco Bay and, like, sees the Pacific Ocean and she mm-hmm. does what her – she sticks her feet in the ocean like her, her deceased brother and she looks on to her new life now that she's right. escaped East Town. But no – Get in the van. See you later. Bye. So speaking of, <laughs> so this is the finale. I already read an interview with Kate Winslet where Kate's like, I'd love to do a season two. Yeah. What in the world could a season two of They're not going to do a season be? two. <laughs> they better not. They better not. No. I mean, like, what was that shit? Was it Castle? The one with uh, the guy? <laughs> where he's a he's a writer and he gets paired up. Yes, he gets paired up. He's a crime novelist and he gets paired yeah, up with a cop. Castle. Yeah, that's Nathan the only Fillion. thing. Is like they got to leave East Town and we got to do Guy Pierce actually has to do stuff this time and it's a castle yeah. situation where Take the show on the road. Mayor's got to investigate a crime, but tell you what, Guy Pierce has got a story to write and and maybe mm-hmm. his his writer's flair can help solve yeah. the case. Just change the town, mayor of West Chicago. Town. Yeah. <laughs> so overall, an, an enjoyable, listen, it. an enjoyable, dramatic show to get us to the summer, to bridge the gap until Loki premieres oh on my Disney God. Plus. Oh my! I'm so ready to just. I'm so ready to jettison Disney Plus. I'm giving them till about halfway through Loki. If Loki's, Loki's horrible, this week, isn't it? Who knows? No one could know for sure. There, there's I'm no way to actually find June this information 9th. out. Wednesday, oh my June 9th. I have so many things to do. Oh, it's like, oh, it's a Wednesdays now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about that, but it's still like at midnight. So you got to wake up on Thursday and not go on the internet all day uh, because the nerds, so it's really nerds <laughs> are going to spoil it for you. Mm. 14 Easter eggs right. you didn't realize you missed in Loki season Ugh. two, episode one, you idiot. Upsetting. Oh, God. I hate nerds so much. (laughs) So, okay, this ties in a little bit. Brett hasn't seen it, so I won't talk about it too much. But I did watch Bo Burnham's new Netflix special called Inside. Um, And I was not... I'd I'd seen Eighth Grade, which is the movie Bo Burnham wrote and directed. But I have not... It's so good. But I haven't ever seen any of his specials or his act. So I really had no clue what I was getting into. You didn't see the second act of Promising Young Woman? Oh, yeah. Well, that was just I, Bo Burnham just firing, just firing off his machine gun. <laughs> but Dancing in a act, pharmacy. <laughs> yeah, true. His act, though, is like all music. Did you know that? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of his stuff. Yeah, he's kind of, he's like a, he's, he's alternative. He is a genius, is what he is. Yeah, he's no, he's no Brian Regan. (laughs) I don't don't know who that is. He's just a very down the middle comic. (laughs) I'm looking him up, Brian Regan. Was he on like Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, No, I don't think so. (laughs) 
His performances are clean as he refrains from profanity as well as taboo taboo subject I remember matter. in uh, like middle school or high school like some family <laughs> friend was like we got tickets to Brian Regan at the <laughs> yeah. local performing arts center we have an extra ticket Brett do you want to come and I'm like no I want to see Dave Chappelle <laughs> We went and it was funny, but yeah, it's very, it's not like Portland comedy, but it's, it's, right. it's clean. And it's just like, here are two. Can you can take grandma, his... you can take grandma, you know. Okay. Let me give you two of his Oh bits, my God. Poor Regan is getting the drive by <laughs> today. The first one is, why do people in government talk so weird? And then the second one is. Is that it? Yeah. And then the second one is, Brian Regan. Doesn't like raisins. <laughs> okay, much respect, much respect. Anyway, both. You know when so, <laughs> your husband's opening up some raisins and he's like, what are these? <laughs> um, I mean, poor Brian Regan. He loves this podcast. He's listening. He didn't think we'd turn on him like this. I know. So um, sad. So the, mu- the, Bo the special, yeah. Bo Burnham special is entirely musical, pretty much. All these songs that he wrote, he performs, and they're just so good. Like, I want to listen to them when I go running. I want to add them to a Spotify playlist. Like, he's very talented. I'm sorry if this is like everyone, everyone's like, duh, Danielle. <laughs> like, I didn't realize. And I really think that this special is like a masterpiece. But l- listen, the last thing I wanted to watch on a Friday night when I'm done with work comedy. is something, first of all, comedy. <laughs> Second of all, comedy about the pandemic, which I'm still living in. So I was like, Ugh, I just don't know. But it is fabulous. Congrats. I'm I'm excited to watch it. I've heard I've heard rave reviews from it all week. I, I typically avoid stand-up <laughs> comedy. I just don't really find yeah. it. It's not well, because it's music, it's kind of like fun. And you know, he edited it and does all these special effects. It's very cool. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited uh, to check it out. Yeah. So now we have to make the tough decision about whether we're going to discuss Facebook, Facebook, face off or lost. No, we'll do lost because I, I don't I don't have okay. that much on lost because I okay, great. I frankly forgot that I had to learn about well, I it. I might have some questions. OK. OK. So you left off in season three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Spoilers. For I lost. ended season season three, like episode 12 or something. All right. I only got, I'm on the main lost page on Wikipedia and I, there's only, they've only got like one paragraph per season here. Season three is the final season that it's actually relatively good throughout. That's tough to hear. It's, it's like goes to fucking bonkers town afterwards. So Desmond is kind of doing stuff his brain are are you aware that his brain is traveling through time (laughs) so yeah i got to the episode where he like yeah where he travel time travels his he's time traveling he sees the future yeah but he can't change things yes yeah he's just he's just a brain traveling through time um A helicopter crashes with a woman named Naomi on it on the island. Onto the island? Onto the island. A helicopter lands and there's a woman named Naomi on it. And they're like, who the the TF are you? And she's like, I'm Naomi. Penny sent me, which is Desmond's girlfriend. Desmond's ex-girlfriend, Penny. Who plays Naomi? I don't know. No one famous? Okay, fine. Dame Judi Dench. (laughs) <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, she's like, oh, I'm on. Pe- I'm, there's a boat. There's like an impenetrable shield. I got through. Crashed my helicopter. Penny is on the other side. She's ready to rescue everybody. Wow. Penny is Desmond's girlfriend in the photo. Mm-hmm. And the final episode. I'm just gonna skip ahead because nothing fucking happens. Um, the final episode. This is, I think, the best episode of the show, or the second best okay. episode of the show, actually. Yeah. There's a flashback. It's a flashback episode with our friend Jack. And Mm -hmm. let me tell you, he's got a big old beard. He's depressed (laughs) as fuck. He's drinking and driving. He is in a bad place in his life. And you're like, man, we we haven't seen this shit in in previous Jack flashback episodes. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, 
we are there's some stuff going on with an underwater fucking sea lab or some shit. And they're trying to get to the boat, but there's a fucking force field or something like that. Charlie goes down to do something to radio to the boat. Charlie finds out that's not Penny's boat. And then there's some sort of thing accident there. And Charlie's in a chamber that starts filling up with water and he drowns. But before he does, he writes on his pen on his hand, not Penny's boat and puts his hand up on the window so people can read. Don't trust okay. the people. Not so Penny's. He dies. Bo- not Penny's boat. Charlie dies. Oh. Jack, meanwhile, in the flashback, Jack's going to a funeral, but you don't know who the funeral is for. Okay. Letting you know. Yeah. So the final scene happens. Everyone's dead. You're at the final scene takes place in the flashback. Jack is just all sorts of fucked up. And he goes to an abandoned airfield or something like that. Woman steps out of a car. It is none other but our friend Kate. Sure. This ain't no flashback. This is a flash mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. They have a little mm-hmm. bit of a fight. Kate's like, leave me the fuck alone. You're fucking depressed and crazy. And Jack screams at her as she walks away. We have to go back. We have to go back. Which okay was I I thought like one of the best parts of the show. So so the idea of the okay go so on, the idea sorry. of the finale is oh okay we actually are now watching the the future in this and at least Jack and Kate have escaped the island somehow and okay so you don't see anyone else has escaped it's just Jack and Kate all no right. it's all I mean the whole thing is played as if it were a flashback the entire time and it's in the final moments right. that you realize oh Kate's here oh this is actually taking place after the events of the island. So then what when's what ends up happening? Okay, so season four <laughs> season four, there's a number of these flash forwards now. Jack, Kate, Hurley, Saeed, Son, and Aaron, who's the baby, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Have escaped, he is the baby. have escaped the island and they are now like very famous as they're called the Oceanic Six. And okay. this is all in the post island. And you know, like Nothing really much happens this season other than the best episode of the show, which is called The Constant, which is a which is a heavy Desmond Penny episode. It's really I I can't even describe it, but it's uh, it's like a a sort of time travel love Mm. hour. And it's really, really well made and it has very little to do with the show. (laughs) show. (laughs) It's really good. It's really fantastic. Anyways, that happens some shit's going on with the island. Jack's dead dad is there. We have the Jack's dead dad is like, we have to move the island. And I was like, mm. what? So Ben, <laughs> who's like now a good guy, I guess he goes oh, to some God. underground thing and there's like a fucking wheel and he like spins okay. the wheel and the island like poop, just like goes to a different part of the world. <laughs> but Ben okay. is then transported into the middle of the Sahara Desert. And also we find out in that the funeral that Jack was going to in that initial flash forward was John Locke's funeral. John Locke is dead. Oh, that sucks. Season five. Okay. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Season five. These seasons are shorter. Season five, the island, due to the moving of the island, is now like in a time warp. And the island is going between different times. For a large chunk of the time, they are now in the 1970s. They're in the early 1970s (laughs) on the island. And there's like all these people there and they have like frozen bell bottoms on. Groovy I shit you not, there was a full episode (laughs) devoted to Hurley realizing that it's the year 1974. Trying to write from memory the Star Wars movies because they don't come out yet for a number for another three years. So he can invent Star Wars. Yeah. I shit you not, this is an episode of Lost. (laughs) Okay. They all have to get. Meanwhile, in the future timeline, 
They all have to so, get back to the island somehow because something's going on. There's a guy named Jacob who's like the king of the island. They all. Well, so we all just forgive the others, like Ben. Linus, no, they're all good Julia. guys. They're all good guys. They're all part. No, of the, they're not. No, they're all. They're all. They've all been good guys the entire time. Oh my god, Juliet. Why were they there in the first place? Because they worked with the on the, the there's like a science station there studying time travel or some shit that's been there since the 70s. That in season five, our main characters are now like having an effect on the stuff that they had found in previous seasons of the show because they were on the island 30 years in the past, anyways, because of the fucking time. It's so fucking dumb. Okay. Juliet and Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Connect and it's and it's quite lovely. Juliet and Sawyer. Juliet and Sawyer. I'm upset. Um, I'm upset. So she kept him in a cage. Now she's got the love in the cage. <laughs> this is so so annoying. Just so, hearing this, Jack. There's a thing in all the Jack flash forwards where he's trying to crash onto the island. He keeps boarding. He like because. Of he's like famously one of these big shipwreck people. He has like an mm-hmm. unlimited pass with um, with Oceanic Airlines. Okay, he can fly for free on Oceanic for the rest of his life. So all he does is he flies back and forth between Sydney and L.A. on the same route, getting drunk and hoping that the plane crashes. Oh which is ah, <laughs> that's a fun detail. Anyways, yeah, he's trying to he's trying to he wants to go back to the island because like his life has fallen apart since he's come back. How do they get off the island? Uh, they get like on a little boat or some shit, I think. I mean, I don't even know. It, uh. <laughs> that seems like a very important piece. Yeah, but I don't really <laughs> remember it. And it's not really in like the one paragraph description of each season. Okay. So yeah, all right. <laughs> fine. So they have to like blow up a nuclear bomb on the island or some shit. It is fucking ridiculous. Anyways. They have to go back to the island to save this guy. They have to speak to this guy, Jacob. The only way they can get on the island is for all of them to go together. All the people who have escaped, including John Locke, who is a corpse at this point. Right. So they have to, like, steal his corpse and get his corpse onto a flight that crosses the ocean. And they're like, oh, well, hope this works. And then they get into another fucking plane crash and the plane that plane crashes on the island. And when they land on the island, John Locke is alive again. All right. Okay. And then what? Okay. So I think that's basically like season five. <laughs> uh huh. Season six, hold on to your butt. Okay. So there's a guy, Jacob, who's like been the eternal like protector of the island. He I, has a twin brother, up. the man in black. Of course he does. Sure. And his okay. name is the man in black, who is the smoke monster, who has been the smoke ah. monster the whole time. And okay. the smoke monster, and sometimes he's the smoke monster, sometimes he's just a man. Um, There's a sort of side, there's like a sort of side narrative where it's like, oh, what if they had never crashed on the island they realize that there is some sort like this guy Jacob is sort of pulling the, the strings of fate to get them to be, be on the island the first time. John Locke is not alive. It's actually the man in black appearing as John Locke. John Locke, you know, so Terry O'Quinn is in it a lot, but he's like not he's not John Locke. He's just sort of like an evil guy, which mm-hmm. is disappointing. Um and and as I'm saying this, like all this stuff is happening over a number of episodes, there have not been a lot of answers up until like literally three episodes before the final finale. Hey, the man in black is played by uh, my man Bosch. Bosch, yeah. <laughs> oh, Bosch, sorry. <laughs> okay. So anyway, let me just on. tell. I'm going to just tell you probably the most confounding thing that happened, or one okay. of the most. So, like, up until, like, the third to last episode, like, there's not a lot of, not a lot of uh, answers. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, the episode with all the answers happens. It's coming. Mm -hmm. It's coming. And this episode starts, and it's like, 500 years ago. (laughs) No. And we're on the (laughs) island, and it is literally, and who steps out from the wilderness in a a period-appropriate 
garb. <laughs> garb. <laughs> then our girl, mom herself, Allison Jenny. <laughs> okay. okay. So there is an episode that takes place like a million years ago <laughs> where Allison Janney is like the mother of the island and she gives birth to these two boys, Jacob and the man in black. And there are these two brothers. One represents light and one represents evil. And like mm. she raises them and there is a pact. So she meant to be like Eve? Some shit. I don't know. It is or seriously is she like a pilgrim? one of the worst fucking hours of television you will ever watch in your <laughs> yeah, life. And oh, if you're in, if you are invested in loss, you're watching this and you're like, this is the end. This is how they're no. explaining all of the the background and the lore of the island is this bottle episode with Alice and Janney in a fucking wig and like dirt on her face. It's right. horrible. It's horrible. Anyways, they they okay, the final episode, they have to like turn off the island or turn on the island. There's like a magical jewel in a pool, like in the middle of the island, and they have to go and like take it out or put it in or some shit. It's so dumb. Yeah. They kill the man in black. Jacob sort of is like, Oh, I you know, my work here is done. I'm going away. Someone has to be a new protector of the island. It's Hurley, or Hurley's now like an immortal, <laughs> oh. immortal protector of the island. Wow! Ben to sort of like pay for his sins becomes Hurley's like assistant, and they like go around the world like protecting the island and being these like spiritual figures. Island from what? Here's my question: I don't know. From what? I don't no know. one wants to go there. No one wants to go there. When people get there, they're upset. They don't like it. There's a lot of shit going on there that doesn't make sense. It's like protecting. It's like the cork. It's like there was something with like a cork where it's like the world is a bottle of wine and all the evil is being kept inside and the the island is the cork. And they got it like the island is just like protecting the world from evil spilling out. Very cabin. Anyways, Jack is like mortally wounded and he kind of is dying and then it's revealed that the island was like purgatory the whole time and it That's doesn't what make I thought it was. Yeah, but, it's, but I don't I literally don't understand it. It's like so he gets <laughs> off the island, and he gets back on the island, and he gets off and he gets on, but it's actually been purgatory the entire time. Whatever. Right. They go to like he kind of dies and then they go to this this like church in this like multi-denominational church in the sky that has like a star of David and a cross and like yeah. a number of other. They got it all. Well, they sure. got them all. They got them all. Yeah. <laughs> or they got like four of them. And uh, the whole cast is there, including everyone who's died. And it's like, actually, the journey was like you all finding each other because you all love each other. And we're all destined for your souls to like go on to the next plane together. And then the final shot is Jack actually dying basically in the same place where he wakes up in the first moment of the show as the the yellow lab comes. So it's basically yeah. just a full-on mirror of the first shot of the series, okay. but it's Jack dying. That's it. What? That's it. Mm. That's lost. You know, I'm so glad that instead of spending, you know, upwards of 20 hours, what would it be? No, it would be like 40 hours. Yeah. Yeah. 60 hours <laughs> of watching all this. This was so much more succinct. It was to the point. Um, I, I felt like Brett gave it a lot of flavor. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, this is the better way to enjoy Lost, in my opinion. I would say watch the episode Through the Looking Glass, which is the season three finale. And I would say watch The Constant, which is somewhere in season four. And, you know, Lost makes a lot of best of TV lists. But to that, I would say, yeah, but have you heard they should make a best of recapping a TV show list and put what you just did on there. And it but. should be a podcast with <laughs> us as the hosts. <laughs> um, well, how disappointing. But I've moved on from Lost. I've moved on to Below Deck Med, Below Deck Sailing Yacht. So I really don't need Lost in my life anymore. When, when reality TV started, everyone was in the entertainment industry was like very um, upset and not into it because it very clearly was a play to get around paying the gargantuan fees that you would have to pay for professional actors, writers, writers yeah. unions, blah, blah, blah. 
And to that, I say, yes, it is. And it's worked because now instead of watching Wasps, I'm watching Below Deck and, and I'm enjoying it much more. We have a question at BBFan022. Aaron says, I would like to inform you guys that BB Australia is weird. I swear they keep evicting people and bringing them back. <laughs> I I add, sounds like Lost. Yeah. I Aaron also says, I also need to know how Below Deck Med is going for Danielle. I love that show. I absolutely love it. It's a perfect, it's a perfect show. It's a perfect reality show. And I say this because it has something really for everyone. It's got the drama, but it also has, if you're interested in like, if you're interested in exotic things like boats (laughs) and how boats function, then it's also got that. So you're learning it's in gorgeous locations. So it's got the travel. There's a chef on board who's making the food. So if you're into food, you'll be satisfied. It's hot people. So if you're horny, you're into that. And then there's like the guests. So if you hate rich people, this is also very satisfying. Is it the same peep guests all the time or is it like a different, different party rents out the boat every week? Yeah. So every week it's a different charter guest. So they all have their little quirks and and foibles. So that's fun. And it's just great. How does that work where it's like, all right, I'm a billionaire and I want to rent. I don't own a yacht or maybe my yachts in the dry dock right now. And I, I want to, you know, rent a, a yacht for me and my, my closest, sociopaths and we want to just go around to like Monaco and Greece and shit for like two weeks. I have an idea. How about we rent the one with a television crew on it that like <laughs> well, so is going to make us look bad? I read, I did read a, a Times piece about it and I'm not remembering it correctly, but I'm pretty sure it's like the show pays for this stay on the boat, oh. but the guests have to pay for the tip. So the tip is all guests and the tips are like for, it's like a three-day charter, and it's like $20,000. Oh, God, yeah. I'd so imagine. you still have to pay a little bit. It's not like they're putting on people who can't sort of afford it, but like they're not paying for the actual stay. But what's the vet? Like there must be a vetting process too, where it's like, all right, I'll, I'll pay. I'm know. rich, and I'll pay for the tip. I'll pay for thirty grand in tip. But right. are they going to be like, well, are you, you're too boring and not hot enough? Or you, yeah. you're going to cause too much drama? You're going to cause not enough drama for an episode? Yeah, it's very clear. Like they, every guest now has something to offer. Like the one I just watched, it was influencers, and the influencers' boyfriend proposed, and she said no. Oh. So that was the drama. <laughs> but um, but it's always something. I don't know how they produce it. It's it's interesting. And the what's cool is like it's it's not at Vanderpump Rules level where like all the people who work at that restaurant don't work at that restaurant. They're clearly making a shit ton of money from Instagram or whatever else. All of the staff on um, on Below Deck changes enough that they're actually working and doing all of that shit. And it's kind of amazing. <laughs> seems like a, it seems like there, is a, there would be a lot of turnover in like oh, yeah. yacht waiter. But, oh my gosh, Brett, if I could turn back the clock. And go back to if 21 years of age. Turn back time. <laughs> back to 21 when I was fresh, taut, wide-eyed, and ready to just go away for the summer. This is a perfect summer job for a 20-year-old. It really is. I feel like well, I get way too seasick to ever go on a boat. But they're big boats, so you're not feeling the water that much. <laughs> Incorrect. Uh, okay. <laughs> I feel like being a young, hot, Yacht bartender, waitress, masseuse, deckhand is just a really quick way to get fucking murdered. No, it's just no, don't no. you feel like oh the the Duke of whatever is like he brought the fucking drugs and he wants to have a sex party, but then he kills like the waitress and dumps her no, overboard. There's too many witnesses. No, I don't think so. I think it's great. You go, you have no expenses, zero expenses. Everything's paid for. You make so much money. You see the world. You travel on a yacht. When the guests aren't there, you get to sleep in their beds. It's like awesome. I would do it. I would totally do it. Do it now. It's too late for me. Yeah. What's this old ass waitress (laughs) doing on this boat? (laughs) Exactly. She must be a drug addict. (laughs) She must have had her kids taken away from her, like the daughter-in-law and mayor of East Town. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. We need to start talking about a little John Woo film. Oh, I wanted to 
take his face off. off. So here's one thing I need to start talking about this movie with. Okay. So much fucking happens in this movie. So much happens. And honestly, I think this movie aged the worst of the three. Absolutely. I used to love this movie and rewatching it this time. I was like, this feels really slow. It just does not feel as exciting as the other two. I could do with like a lot less of these scenes. I just felt like it was bloated as a movie. It is. It's 215. It is fucking disgusting, this movie. <laughs> like without being like a body horror film. I mean, there's mm-hmm. elements of that, like in the surgery scene is yeah. in the beginning. But I just mean in that, like how repulsive Nicolas Cage's character is supposed to be. And it's just like, can I just list things that happen in the first yeah, 18 please. minutes of this movie? Please do. Please do. Nicolas Cage has a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Nicolas Cage has a weird 80s mustache. He's like drinking a soda pop with like a colored straw. Like, and while yeah. he's like assassinating John Travolta at an amusement park. <laughs> What the fuck? Like, just what the fuck? This is the first moment of the movie. He's got a mustache. They're at some sort of park. And he's just strolling through with his soda and his large sniper rifle. Mm -hmm. He shoots John Travolta. The bullet passes through John Travolta's skin and kills John Travolta's son. And there's like, it's all black and white. There's screaming. There's blood on the horse on the carousel. And John Travolta's like, no! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He kills a child. He kills a child in the first scene. Oh, my God. And it's it's just so over the top. And he's just kind of like, oops. Oops. It's like like spy versus spy. It's just like, he's like, just go around. (laughs) Yeah. And then (sighs) they're at the LA convention. Nick Cage is at the LA convention center planting a bomb at a church convention. Right. Yes. It's a church convention. convention Or choir convention. Church choir convention. Catholic Christian convention. He's yeah. going around dressed as like a deacon. He's got the big robes on, but he's acting like Nick Cage, acting like Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. It is, he's like, there's a choir singing hallelujah, and he's like dancing and doing flips and doing weird faces. He grabs a young woman's ass and makes one of the and- eight craziest faces he makes in this movie. <laughs> But here's my thing. And I remember thinking this when I first saw this movie. And I think I think I was very young when I first saw this movie. Okay, so I remember being like, why is she happy about this? Why would a random girl getting felt groped by Nicolas Cage in a deacon's outfit She's like, oh, yeah. what? And he's like, no. oh, like <laughs> there's so much butt grabbing in this movie. And every time it is like orgasmic for Nicolas Cage characters, like, oh, I'm grabbing a butt. <laughs> and this happens it constantly is, in this fucking movie. Yeah, it's not OK. It's really not OK. So he plants this bomb there and he grabs a butt. We're like four fucking minutes into this movie. And then yeah. they're getting on a plane to fly away somewhere. There's a <laughs> there's a stewardess on the private plane who's like on the phone. She's like, my passengers are here. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> and then the plane is taking off. And she's like, can I get you guys a Coke or some shit? And he's like, you can sit on my fucking lap and suck on my tongue. And, and sticks- again. Oh, okay, he grabs again. her ass. He grabs her well, ass. From my point of view, from a girl's point of view, I'm watching this. And the normal reaction to that is, oh, sir, I'd love to, but I'm working or something. You know, you play it off. This woman <laughs> smiles, sits down and opens wide, baby. Without the hint of discussion. Bef- of dis- I will discussion. say before that, he also goes. I could suck on a peach for hours. That's his recurring like motif. And so this plane is taking off. The woman is like 
he literally just sticks out his tongue and she starts sucking on it. And then it. John Travolta's, he's an FBI agent or some shit. And it's like, oh, we found him. He's at the airfield. We got to do a 12 minute chase sequence with this plane <laughs> yeah. just going 45 miles on the runway. It just it, right. The runway just extends into multiple states. John Travolta at one point does play chicken with the plane they in play, car. Yeah, they're playing chicken with the plane. The woman who's sucking on his face on Nicolas Cage's face is like, freeze, FBI. <laughs> 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 We're just like, what the fuck? We're just <laughs> sucking on his face. <laughs> and Nicolas Cage pulls her into the cockpit, and they're like miles apart on the fucking runway. And John Travolta <laughs> sees that he's holding the gun to the stewardess's face, the FBI. Yeah. And yeah. John Travolta's like, oh, God, no, he's got, he's got Agent whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Agent Winners. <laughs> but then he, like, John Travolta or Nicolas Cage fucking shoots her and, like, kicks her <laughs> out of the plane. And she gets run over by the plane and her face yeah. is all fucked up. So yeah. much happens in this movie. Oh, my God. <sighs> and then there's, like, a chase sequence. And the, the plane crashes into a hangar and... They see each other. They see they each other. Face to face, they go finally. For, yeah, for the first time, yeah. first of many times. But let me tell yeah. you, the body shift. Yeah. And how they capture Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage like walks in front of some engine and like the backwash just like knocks him down. Yeah. And we've been having this chase sequence on planes and all this stuff. And this, this is the thing that knocks. This is the thing that knocks out Nicolas Cage calls is, is he's caught up in the backwash of like an engine that's being repaired. Right. All right. That's I, I feel like I'm missing stuff, but. No, that's pretty much that, it. So it's that like, is so much stuff. Just absolutely wild shit that happens in 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And so. Here's the thing. They're like, yay, we got him. We got Castor. We got Pollux. By the way, we oh, forgot brother. to mention their names. Oh, we're not. <laughs> Castor and Pollux Troy. Right. But so, so, you know, this has been John Travolta's entire raison d'etre since Nick Cage killed his son. Is he's like obsessed with getting Castor Troy. And so he finally does it, and everyone's psyched. He goes back to the office and they all start clapping. And he's like, how like they said someone sent champagne and he's like this is for winners and this is for x this is for like all the people who got killed like so many and fbi it, agents get killed in this opening yeah. sequence by the way yeah and and the the other agents who lived and who are celebrating i guess like didn't think that that might be insensitive they're portraying john travolta as like he sucks he's, he's such a so hard mean. ass yeah yeah but meanwhile i'm like well he's kind of right guys like should you really be celebrating when all of these people just died all of your buddies your death mate is dead but so he goes home he goes home to his wife joan allen who I need to get your temperature on. I'm glad. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> because I like Jonah Allen. I think she's a good actress. But um, um, <laughs> I guess the casting is good in that she is a mature doctor. She's a classy broad. I guess that's meant to be the distinction. Like Nick Cage's character gets with hussies like Gina Gershon, whereas John Travolta's character gets with a distinguished, mature doctor who wears like vests. Um, but she is portrayed as like we, we get a close up of her butt at one point walking away and I'm like I wouldn't do this choice <laughs> personally so it's confronting right you, you, she's you just see, like so the mom from Pleasantville you see that's what she should be so many movies and it's like why like Adam Sandler is a fat piece of shit. Why is his wife, Jennifer Aniston, who's a beautiful mm -hmm. young woman? Right. Middle-aged woman. Mid to late early 30s to 50s. Yeah. And it's more apparent in like stand in like uh comic, like uh sitcoms and stuff, like Kevin James was married some hot chick or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I this movie came out when I was 10 years old. And when I saw this movie, mm -hmm. I was like, this is his wife. <laughs> she looks like a fucking grandma <laughs> that's the thing she's beautiful she's a beautiful woman obviously but she is styled to be an absolute square and there is a lot <laughs> right. of like 
<laughs> sexual stuff going on with her. There's like grabbing her butt, zooming yeah. in on her butt, like bam. There, I think there even is at one point in the beginning where it's like where I think when Nicolas Cage has swapped bodies with her, he's like, oh, I want to get with you, my wife. And like it zooms <laughs> on her butts and it's like, bow. And it's fucking. <laughs> she is, she is not Kim Kardashian, you know, like not that that matters. You can be sexy with a flat butt, but I'm just like, it was a weird choice. There is, she's just not, you know, I don't know, maybe. It doesn't need to be because G- Gina Gershon, oh my God, she's looking yeah. be- best break. she does in her fucking life in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm trying to think, you know, can we get a Marissa like a, Tomei, perhaps? Marissa Tomei. Can we get a mid 90s Helen Hunt or something like that? Mm-hmm. Just someone with a little, a little bit more warmth. A little Just bit a little more warmth. like, yeah. There's like, there's like plot points in this movie about like, Having sex with her. And it's like, <laughs> and there's like, I slept with your wife. I fucked your wife. And it's like, oh, my fucking like matronly <laughs> grandma over here. Yeah. Like she has diary entries of how she's sick and tired of not getting fucked. Oh, and yeah. It's like, it's like, well, lady, maybe spice up the wardrobe. The, maybe it. the hair. Maybe just do yeah. something different with the hair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's it's a little jarring. It t- it does take you out a little and bit. And Travol- he's Danny Zuko. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I mean, hey. he's, he's he, a cold fish in this movie too, though. To be fair, he is until Nick Cage takes over, and then suddenly he's bringing the heat. But like, so and he's bringing the heat to the daughter. Good lord! So there's a bomb in this in this in the town. They find out there's a bomb in the town. Pollux, Caster, Nicholas, Nicholas, okay, but we'll do this quickly. Nicholas Cage plays Caster Troy, an international terrorist of, 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 <laughs> of infamy, and some other guy plays Pollux Troy. And Alessandro I, Nevola. And just a little, little, little background for you guys. Caster and Pollux in mythology are the names of the twins in the constellation Gemini, or if you're a Gemini uh, of the zodiac signs, so we have a little bit of, a little bit of like reading to do, a little bit of, mm. a little bit of extra stuff Hi, going bro. on. Except yes. for, and I was like trying to find a thing. I was like Wikipediaing this for a solid hour yesterday. Where I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe there's something where like Sagittarius, the Archer, because John Travolta plays Sean Archer. Archer. Maybe there's yeah. this thing where the twins like. Maybe the 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 constellation is like shooting at the twins. No, nah, I couldn't find any connection like that because I was like, all okay, right, maybe cool. Wu is fucking. <laughs> maybe Wu is doing some crazy shit here with the names. He's like going into. Oh, he's, he's doing crazy shit, but it's maybe <laughs> yeah. not with the names. But so, so yeah, so the whole impetus of them switching faces is that there's a bomb. We gotta find it. Um, and Pollux only, won't talk. Pollux won't yeah, talk. Exactly. He'll only talk to his brother. Yeah. So it's all right. There's a technology. <laughs> There's a secret government lab, and what they do is they grow ears in test tubes, yeah. Yeah. and they cut off people's faces, and they put them on other people's bodies, and they shave your hair. And it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter that your body is completely different from the other person. It doesn't matter that your voice is completely different from the other person. None of that matters because they'll 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 fix it. They're <laughs> like away. your stature is negligible, and it's like <laughs> 1996 <laughs> Nicolas Cage and 1996 John Travolta are like different body types, <laughs> <laughs> very different. And um, they the, just show like a screen of like one getting tighter and one flop it up a little bit. Oh yeah, and they, then the body hair. <laughs> yeah, they shave the body hair. They shave the hair, and then for the voice thing, they put a microchip in each other's. Like larynxes. Larynx? Yeah. And it's like, all right, how do we activate it? Well, you need to say something. And it's like, well, we have this recording from Agent Winters. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh Travolta as Nicolas Cage is now going to be like, Peach, I suck. I could suck <laughs> on a peach for hours. So this fucking disgusting line we now have to come back to. Oh, it never goes away. And this kicks off the rest of the movie where it just needs to be said. This is what I think is the everlasting, you know, reputation of this movie and and why people like it so much is that the acting in this movie is fucking bananas. It is like a Mm. fucking acid trip. 
John Travolta yeah. eventually switches bodies. So John Travolta, the actor, is playing what if I were Nick Cage? Right. <laughs> Nick Cage, the actor, is playing what if I were John Travolta pretending to be Nick Cage? It is like <laughs> yeah. a fucking hat on a hat, uh, layers of an onion. Yeah. So it is a John Travolta ex- performance that you're unlikely to see because he is acting like a fucking lunatic, a wide-eyed yeah. madman, fast talking. He's like he's on cocaine the Loves entire it. time. Oh yeah. And John and Nick Cage is playing a sniveling little bitch. <laughs> a sniveling little bitch, but also when he realizes to like actually do my mission here, I have to truly mm. become him. Right. He then kicks it into overdrive and is the most wide-eyed psycho <laughs> Nick Cage performance you've ever seen because he's playing what if someone were pretending to be me and we're right. doing all the Nick Cage isms but bigger and 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 louder and yeah. it I mean, they, he goes to a prison and he's still kind of a sniveling bitch throughout that. But <laughs> when he breaks out of the prison, he goes to his like lair and it is just some of the most just, just God level galaxy brained Nick Cage, <laughs> like Acting. peeling his fucking face back and smiling yeah. and making weird ass faces at people. I mean, you can't, you're not going to find a better movie than this if you want to see that sort of. Nick Cage if that's what you're interested in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it just, and that's pretty much the crux of the movie. Like Nick Cage, well, John Travolta, Nick Cage is John Travolta gets in with Nick Cage's group and makes amends with Gina Gershon, finds out he has a son, finds out he has a son, exactly the age as John Travolta's exact son. Same, like mid nineties, nine year old boy <laughs> haircut, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. <laughs> So that softens him up a little bit on all these drug dealers and criminals. And then uh, John Travolta as Nick Cage, for whatever reason, at first we're like, oh, he's going to sexually assault that daughter. Instead, he decides to act as a father figure and give her a butterfly knife, beat up her would-be assailant, and pretty much leave her alone. Can we talk about Sean Archer's daughter? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) played by Dominique Swain. (laughs) I feel like... I feel like if this movie came out three years later, this would be like a Alicia Cuthbert breakout performance. Mm -hmm. And three years earlier, Alicia Silverstone. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she's like a goth at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) And I I just need to talk about one line in the movie. She's like a goth and like, no no one understands me. My brother died. This or that. And nobody, you know, like, dad, you, you know, you don't get it. But then when Nicolas Cage becomes her dad, it's like, oh, he's smoking cigarettes. Papa's got a brand new bag. Cool. Yeah. And there was one scene where she's in her room and she's like on the phone and her mom's trying, someone's trying to talk to her. And she says the line, quote, I got your email, Carl. That poem was pretty kinky. <laughs> Carl is the guy who tries. It's played by Danny Masterson. By accused, maybe convicted, I am not up in the news, rapist <laughs> yeah. Danny Masterson, who later yeah. in the movie tries raping the daughter and yeah. gets gets the old one and two fist from uh, John Travolta. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm just, I, it's 1997 when this comes out. And I'm like, they're like, what does like an alt, like goth, like moody teenage girl talk about to her like boyfriend on the phone just so we have one line to establish she's like mid conversation as the parent enters the room it's (laughs) i got your email carl that poem was pretty kinky (laughs) i just couldn't i heard that line i i see this movie a lot but i just never remembered it and i don't know that line just like made me howl it was so good yeah (laughs) so so they both learn lessons. John Travolta's Nick Cage learns lessons. Nick Cage's John Travolta learns lessons. But they have to, they have had their faces off and they have to face off again. Face to face. They want each other's faces back. They're tired of their new lives. They want to go back to the way things were and only one can survive. And, but you know what? Joan Allen, Nick Cage eventually gets back at, gets back to his house and Joan Allen doesn't believe him. And, and this is one of the fun things about this movie too, is like 
you know, after immediately after the surgery, Nick Cage goes there to prison to see his brother. And immediately Pollux is super suspicious. Like, who are you? Like, it's immediately suspicious (laughs) that Nick Cage has undergone a secret surgery that is completely made up and like has never existed in history. (laughs) And he's like, I don't trust you. No, I won't give up the information right now. But later in the movie, when Nick Cage like goes to his wife or whatever, it's like I, she's t- he's telling him like all these intimate details that only John Travolta, h- her husband, would know. She's like right. trying to stab him and shoot him and all <laughs> this stuff. So it's that's just such a that's such a weird detail for this movie. I love. Yeah. So I I really dislike the last like. 25 minutes of this movie where they go to the funeral for the CIA director, I guess. Why is he in California, by the way? And then um, field office. They all meet, they all meet in the church. They have a gun off. And this they're all pointing guns at each other. And this is just the John Wooiest, like of John Woo here, right? Where it's like, I forgot the impetus for this was like. John Travolta's boss dies, so they have to go to his funeral. So it's an excuse yeah. for everyone wear to, to wear a black suit in this final scene. Mm-hmm. And like Cage is walking up to the funeral, and there's like, oh, as yeah. like <laughs> seagulls are like fucking flapping behind him in slow motion. Yeah. And it's just like the most the John Woo fucking thing. I live in LA. I'm like, I have no fucking clue where this is supposed to be taking place at this yeah. like beautiful Catholic church next to a marina on the water. And uh, yeah, there's a, a standoff comes and like eight people walk in and it's like, well, you can't kill him if I'm here. And then, and then Gina Gershon's like, yeah, brother. Well, how about me? I'm here with two guns. <laughs> and it ends up like they have their shoot off. And then this is the part that really kills me where I really actually started losing interest in the movie is they start having a boat chase. This boat chase is, I remember finding it's really long. I remember finding it exciting as a kid, but man, uh, watching this movie now on, um, you know, a nice screen from the 21st century. Yeah. Over 50% of this chase scene is just two guys who don't look like John Travolta and Nick Cage. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. Like, <laughs> that's the other issue with this movie. And it's not like um, both of them, John Travolta and Nick Cage, haven't been in action movies before. But the physicality of action in a John Woo movie, I just was like, it's so clearly not them, and they can't fight. They can't move like this. This is not them. Like, this is not – this is clearly the stunt doubles. So what am I watching here? It is so clearly the stunt doubles for <laughs> so much of this sequence. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just fun. You're like, okay, cool. <laughs> I, it just – it makes you think you're like, oh, this is like in the 1920s when they – they showed a movie of like a train approaching the screen and people ran out of the theater because they were like, oh shit, the train's going to pop out of the screen and kill us. Where the art of film is more just about like the the majesty of like, look at all this wild ass shit that we captured on film. And that's what this chase sequence is. It's like, cool, we have a movie. Now we have a really cool choreographed, boat chase with lots of explosions and stuff with a number of stunt actors that we don't know anything about. And that only kind of resemble our main characters in that they are white guys wearing black suits. (laughs) Yeah. So eventually they both just sort of like crash their boats. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have a final fight and John Travolta. What? Is it a fight? You know, who knows? Who knows? John Travolta, of course, is victorious. The His FBI buddies come by and they have to do. It's like, great, we got him. But once again, you're going to have to do a little face swap because he can't stay like that forever. Yeah, like that's a. I thought it was a cool moment. Like John Travolta is sort of like he's been caught. He gets like harpooned by Nick Cage (laughs) and he's like yeah but you can't fucking get your face back ever so he grabs a piece of glass and tries cutting his own face I thought that was a cool detail but ultimately meaningless because they're like by the way the doctor that does the surgery at the beginning gets killed by Nicolas Cage 
Yeah, he and gets like, gasoline poured all over him and set on fire. And so. it's like, they're like, don't worry. We found the second best doctor <laughs> in the United States who does do face-off surgeries. Insane, yeah, this insanely complicated surgery. So they do that and... Uh, uh, Sean Archer, John Travolta gets back home and Lordy B, the real the real resolution of the movie, his daughter is no longer a goth. Thank God. She's back to looking cute and normal. She's That's a what we girl were all in the store, about. just like Danielle <laughs> yeah. G. <laughs> <laughs> just like that's what we want in America. Our daughters are not goths. <laughs> it was so it's so weird the transformation of just like, all right, like that's the resolution of the movie is like, yes, his daughter's normal again. Yeah, exactly. But not only that, daddy's home and he brought a little stowaway. It's your new brother who I adopted from, who has Caster Troy's blood in him. Yeah. He's Caster Troy's son, Gina Gershon's son. He's here now. He, you know, I just pulled some strings and I get to adopt him. That's how that works. And how do you guys feel about that? And they're both just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. cool. You've just literally found an exact carbon copy replacement of our dead son. Yay. Yeah. Yay. That's it. That's face off. Um, so, I mean, I feel like we missed so much in this There's movie. There's a lot. Well, of course we did because the movie is so long and there are so many weird sequences. Like, yeah, in the prison, he has to fight this big guy, but then he turns into friends with the big guy by promising to get the big guy out. And they actually have like have a beautiful friendship. <laughs> so much so where the big guy is willing to die for Sean Archer. It's a beautiful case. friendship. It all takes place in the middle of a giant shootout prison riot sequence. Yeah. There's not much. With David Koechner as um No, that's, um, that's um, what's his name? It's uh, John Carroll Lynch. Oh, excuse me. You're right. John. Oh, my gosh. And I love John And that Carroll guy, Lynch. that prisoner who he bonds with, by the way, is Chris Bauer, who people would know from The Wire season two as Frank Sabatka. Lots oh. of wire, lots, a few wire people in there. Uh, his his friend, uh, his friend Tito is played by this guy, Robert Wisdom, who, who's fate plays. Uh, and Thomas Lieutenant Jane is Colvin like the hot the guy wire. in the prison. Oh, Thomas Jane is hobby. in this movie. Yeah. And it's like. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, and he says he's such a weirdo. He doesn't do anything in this movie, and I'm like, no. that's Thomas Jane. Margaret Cho is in this movie as like yes, <laughs> FBI Nick assistant one who's just like Sean. Your phone's ringing. <laughs> like that's yeah. what she does. <laughs> Nick Cassavetes, who directed The Notebook, one of the most no? highest grossing movies of all time, plays Gina Gershon's like drug addict brother, um, or no, drug dealing brother. Excuse me. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in the movie. Uh, it would take hours, hours. I could be, eat a peach for hours to discuss all of it. Man, if only we but, didn't. If only I didn't take 20 minutes explaining what happened in Lost in this episode. We could have. That was got very to valuable it. to me, guys. Now that we're done talking about <laughs> The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off, what in the world are we going to discuss next time? There's still a couple of weeks till Big Brother premieres. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's other movies you want us to talk about within reason, right? Within reason. I'm Don't not watching. Bad I'm not movies. watching Lord of the Rings. Oh what my you, god! Never, never. <laughs> so don't even try. So tweet us. At Hey Julie BB, what you think? We like some suggestions, but like, come on, be serious. <laughs> yeah, good. You shit. know us by now. Don't ask us to watch like Avengers <laughs> or like Black Widow or whatever. I'm um, gonna check out Black Widow, but like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't care that much. Thank you for going on this Nick Cage extravaganza journey with us. We will be back next week, and until then, bye, Julie. Bye, Julie.